This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and The Athletic's Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's The Athletic's Jesse Temple. Badgers heading down to Tampa this week. That's uh, where they're going to face LSU in the ReliaQuest Bowl coming up on New Year's Day. Jesse, are you excited for your trip south? Very much so. Uh going to be mid 60s but it really doesn't matter because we're not in madison on new year's eve so i guess that's a good thing (laughs) well i mean as we're recording this is like 50 degrees so it's not like we're going to be getting a a huge upgrade down there but we will be down there and we are going to do an episode of the camp on thursday from down there which i believe would be the 28th and then obviously covering the game and then back on next week once uh, everything gets after after the game, and uh, we'll hit the off season and do our exact same thing we've been doing all year. So, um, all right, some things to get into here. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Josiah Galvan. Is that as am, am I pronouncing that correctly? That was how the uh, Northern Iowa people pronounced it on the YouTube video that I watched. That was a highlight of him. So I'm going to go with that. All right, Josiah Galvan, uh, the obviously transfer from. Northern Iowa, and then we'll certainly uh, touch on a couple of uh, your your stories, specifically uh, the one about guys that are going to have an opportunity, but I think uh, or an opportunity in the bowl game that they may not have otherwise had because of guys in front of them. But let's start with uh, Wisconsin releasing what was an unofficial depth chart. There were uh, a number of names that certainly weren't on there before that are on there now. And the one that stands out for me, because we talked about we talked about this a ton uh, never had an answer until now, but uh, Trash Kahuna has played four games, and there was debate between us whether the fifth game or whether the bowl game would count or not. Last year, it did not count. I hadn't seen anything to say that it was actually going to be carried over to this year, but got confirmation from Wisconsin that it will carry over. So he uh, can play in this game. Everyone can play in this game without it costing uh, any kind of a hit to the red shirt. It's essentially an exempt game uh, from that four game rule. So to me, he is the one that I most am excited to see, but there's a number of guys who are going to be getting opportunities here. Yeah, I would agree with you that Kekahuna, of all the players listed on the two deep for this bowl game, is the one that you just want to see what does he have to offer. We have not had a chance to see him at all in person because he got hurt during offseason conditioning and therefore was on crutches in the first couple of weeks of preseason practice. And obviously, they closed down practice to reporters a couple weeks out from the season opener. We haven't had a chance to see them since. All we have is one YouTube clip of him catching a touchdown pass with the second team offense from Braden Locke. But having covered him as a high school recruit and talked to him even since he's gotten here, and obviously you and I have all talked to the teammates in the bowl prep, there is a lot of reason for excitement with his ability. He's not the tallest guy, but... Watch some of the clips, even from when he came to Wisconsin to try and prove himself and earn a scholarship. He is football fast, I think is how Tanner Mordecai put it. Like he doesn't, Mordecai didn't necessarily know what his 40 time was, but the way he is able to cut and make defenders stay on their heels, uh, I think it has a chance to be special. I realize he hasn't caught a pass yet, but I'm really interested to see. And we know that with Skylar Bell, Now in the transfer portal, how many reps he got being a backup slot receiver, you're you're really not because you're playing so many snaps and those snaps, it would appear, 
are going to go to Tretch Kakahuna because um, Vinny Anthony is on the outside, and he is in fact listed as a a starter or CJ Williams on the outside opposite Bryson Green. You look at Anthony and how much he played the last three games when Bryson was hurt. I think 160 of his 185 offensive snaps came in those last three games. So really a great opportunity for Tretch to prove himself in the bowl game. Well, I mean, you look at Skylar Bell's receptions, right? He was second on the team in catches. Yes. 38. They obviously didn't go for a ton of yards, but he was it was him and Will Pollen as their two leading receivers in terms of catches. And so I think, yeah, Tretch is going to have some opportunities along with, obviously, um, Will Pauling because he's still the number one. But there are a number there are enough opportunities to go around to get Tretch the ball. So he's one that's exciting. You mentioned Vinny Anthony in that last game against Minnesota. CJ Williams didn't actually get on the field until the final drive of the game. Uh, which was essentially mop-up duty. He played like, I, you have the numbers, but I can't imagine he played more than five or six plays. Yeah, well, I can pull him up right now while we keep talking. But Yeah, um, no, it's, it, 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 it's clear, that, and I, I think we've talked about this, they wanted somebody explosive on the outside. C.J. Williams had not shown an ability to be explosive. Bryson Green... You know, he had a couple of opportunity, you know, moments earlier in the year where he was, you know, because he's a 50-50 throw ball up. He's got a real good chance of going up and getting it, uh, even if it's down the field. But he's not going to necessarily run by people uh, for the most part. We saw a couple opportunities that he had that he took advantage. I'm thinking the Washington State game specifically, and then also had one where Mordecai overthrew him. But when you, you think about that outside position, they need someone explosive. It's why they're continuing to attack the transfer portal and you know go after a, a big that can get down the field and be explosive because I don't necessarily think they have that on the roster, at least a proven option on the roster right now to do that. And we know how important that is to this offense. They did not have it this year, and I think you kind of saw that uh, defenses creep up, and I think some of those, because the yards per attempt was so low because of it. Yeah, and... Your um, lengthy uh, conversation helped me pull up these numbers, too. Thank so. you. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm a pro. Good, you're a good wingman. So, Vinny Anthony, you're right. He played 64 snaps in that game against Minnesota, and CJ only played two. Um, and I think I've certainly been wondering, like, what's what's going on with CJ? Is he Was he was he in the doghouse for Mike Brown? Do they just feel like they have more talent elsewhere? It's hard to, from a pure talent standpoint. I mean, hard to deny what CJ has to offer, but maybe this is the kind of offseason that will allow him uh, more time to make that jump. But it does say a lot about Vinny and what he was able to do from go going from a third string slot guy to being an impact player. Um, and again, uh, a lot of that had to do with Bryson Green being hurt. But uh, the other snap distribution that I, I think is worth noting is in the slot. They had Will Pauling played 51 snaps and Skyler played 22. Now it's not always exactly like that, but just if you're looking for an idea of how much you might see Tretch, I don't think it's a stretch to think he can play 15, 20 plus snaps. And given how frequently they want to throw to the slot receivers, um, we're going to see him, but I'd also throw in Quincy Burroughs because he played more snaps over the last three games and he's on the outside than he did the first nine games. And he caught two passes for 15 yards, <clears throat> excuse me, two passes for 15 yards against Nebraska. So um, they're still looking for those big play long ball hitters on the outside, but at least you're going to have a chance potentially to, to see some of those younger guys get the opportunities that they really haven't to this point. I kind of feel like, and again, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe 
uh, they'll give CJ more opportunities, but I could see a three-man rotation of of uh, Bryson Green, Vinny Anthony, and Quincy Burroughs in this game. Now, if they want to expand it, okay, but I, I could see that kind of being a three-man rotation where you have Bryson on the right side, Quincy on the left side, and Vinny Anthony kind of going in between the two, uh, you know, flipping back and forth between the two because we've seen them on both sides. But we'll see. Uh, I mean, I personally would like to give CJ Williams a few more opportunities in a game, but yeah. the, the opportunities that he's gotten, uh, you know, he hasn't really j- jumped out at you. So, the, but again, still very young, um, still willing, but we know what he is, right? We know he's not going to beat you over the top very often. Is that fair to say? Well, we haven't seen it a ton this year. Um, Saw it in spring. We, we did yes. see it in spring. Very much so. It was also some young DBs, right? Right. And that, you know, got, that, when he got moved up to the first team, it wasn't so much. Yeah. That's always the challenge in trying to extrapolate what we're seeing in practice, because sometimes who they're doing against are guys who are not going to play or are no longer with the program. And both of those happen to be the case, but his snap counts have been all over the place. He ended up playing a season high 68 snaps against Indiana. Certainly that was not uh, the finest performance for anybody on the roster, but then he goes down and plays 26 snaps against Northwestern and only gets nine against Nebraska and, and two against Minnesota, both as a run blocker. So, um, the talent is there, but I think it's got to be a matter of consistency. And maybe this is a game. I mean, I, I don't know. And the other thing that's a, a bit of a question is how are they going to handle? Is it going to be the wide receiver coach who handles when players get into certain snaps and, and certain sequences? Because that's generally how we see coaches do it. I mean, how how often, especially at running back, do you have the running back standing right next to the, the uh, running backs coach throughout the years? And they just turn and say, you go in but they don't have Mike Brown anymore. So maybe it's a by committee type situation, but I think that's another thing that will be I- intriguing about this game. It will be. Well, also everyone, and I think we may have touched on this after Tanner Bordellini uh, decided to turn pro, everyone's going to get to see Jake Renfro, you would assume at, at at some level, right? Like he's going to, he is listed as a starting center. We know Joe Huber has been getting some work there as well. I think we're going to see, I certainly think we're going to see Jake Renfro. Do you agree with that? Yes. Because, Look, he hasn't been he's been healthy for a while now, or at least uh, healthy enough to be out on the field, healthy enough to practice, healthy enough to do all that stuff. He just hasn't played an offensive snap in, in a game. But he's he's this is the chance that you give him. Right. And and they know Joe Huber can be he, he has played center before. They if if it's not going to work for Jake Renfro, then obviously Huber can can step in. But I think this has to be kind of like a show us what you got type of day for for Jake Renfro because it will make a lot of your decisions going forward. It'll it'll kind of situate some of things that you have in your mind of what your offensive line is going to look like next year. And if it doesn't look great on on uh, on New Year's Day, well, maybe you kind of have to readjust and, and think maybe he's not going to be the guy for, for you going forward. But you, you have to give him an opportunity in a game. He hasn't played since 2021. Yep. His last appearance was the college football playoff semifinal in Cincinnati. He lost to Alabama December 31st, 2021. I would expect him to be the starter. I'm interested to see whether they just make it a rotation and put Joe Huber there for a handful of snaps. Because when we talked to Luke Fickle last week, he did say Jake and Joe are playing a little bit different spot. And he also said Joe Brunner's getting in there and playing with the ones. And that's another young guy that I know you've been very high on for a long time. Presumably, you would see him in some capacity at left guard. 
and uh, a, a guy who can be a really big foundational piece to this offensive line in the future. But you really do need to see what you have with Jake Brenfer. I would say he certainly has the benefit of the doubt with this staff because of what he did at Cincinnati. But again, that was two years ago. He just has not been healthy. And we know this season presented a unique challenge for the coaching staff and for Renfro as well, because by the time he was healthy, and Lucas talked about this a little bit, he wanted some continuity and he didn't want to make these so-called wholesale changes. But Tanner Bordellini, outside of the, the early issues that we discussed with the, the speed of the snaps and, and uh, some of those snaps being off the mark, really to me, improved significantly the second half of the season in that area, but was their best offensive lineman. I mean, he's the highest rated pass blocker on the ro- in, in among the offensive linemen, according to Pro Football Focus. So you didn't want to take him out and you didn't want to move him to guard and shuffle all the pieces around. But I, I do think, like you said, this is a really great opportunity for Jake to establish himself and just to be healthy and play a full game, I think will go a long way toward building confidence back for everybody involved. Yeah. And who knows exactly what that offensive line will look like moving forward. We know or we we believe, based on Luke Fickle's comments, you have Jack Nelson returning for his senior year. You have, obviously, Riley Malman coming back. You have um, Joe Huber returning, whether it's at left guard or center. But then you have, and, and, and obviously Renfro, you do have some potential for, for changes, right? Like who's going to be your right guard next year? Michael Furtney spent a majority of the time there this year. Trey Wedig was a guy that got some time there, but is that as, I mean, do you perhaps move Joe Huber to right guard and, and stick Joe Brunner at left guard? And then you have uh, Jake Renfro at center, or do you perhaps move Jack Nelson? I don't, I, I, I don't be, trying to find your best five, right? Trying to get your best five on the field is, uh, is Nolan Rucci at any point going to be one of your best five? Could you find a way to get him on the field and, and move somebody around to do that? I don't know. But the offensive line is, is going to have some shuffling, even though currently, currently, right now, they're obviously losing Bordellini and, and Fertney. I think there could be some more movement there. If I had to guess, I imagine you and I will both guess once we get to the final game and start projecting ahead to spring practice and next season, it, it seems to me that if they're this high on Joe Brunner, that he is next in line to play a guard spot. And if you like what you have in Renfro, then you put Huber at one of the other guard spots. So, I mean, he's so versatile. He played right tackle at Cincinnati. Maybe Brunner's your left guard, Huber's your right guard moving forward. It does present an interesting problem, I suppose, in that Jack Nelson, I don't think a lot of people projected him to be around next season. No. And certainly a lot of this year and before the year, it was Braylon and Jack, and maybe Jack's a day two pick, but not going to be anything lower than the third round. And, hasn't had the year that he wanted and i should say we we haven't had an opportunity to talk to him in a long time so um don't really know what his thought process is other than we know that he's practicing for the bowl game and if you are at this point continuing to practice would seem very uh unlikely that you're going to go to the nfl because if you're going to do that you want to start your training just like tanner bordellini did but i would think they would keep nelson at a tackle spot now we know that initially he did play some guard but played a full year. Nolan Rucci's, yeah, but Nolan Rucci's in a tough spot now. If if it's going to be Nelson, because I don't see him overtaking Malman either. Maybe you just make. I don't know. Do you make a point of trying to get a rotation in? But because this year they didn't want to do that after a handful Alleg- of games. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean they they wanted to and then they didn't want to. It was right at, after at a certain point. Yeah, right. So like the the main takeaway from <laughs> Jack McNeil's initial press conference with us last 
winner was, or his last press or his first press availability last winter was, yeah, we're going to play seven or eight guys. That's what we mm-hmm. want to do. And, you know, obviously that didn't even come close to, to pass. I mean, they played six at one point and they, then they shaved it down and played five. And that's why Trey Wedding is no longer here. I, I shouldn't say that's the only reason why, but one of the reasons why he's no longer here. So, I mean, I, a little difficult to, to see if they would do that next year. Now, again, maybe they have guys ready and there's no drop off between your, your, your five and your six and seven, but I would be, I guess I'd be a little surprised if they went ahead and did it this year, next year, I should say. If they put Rucci into what? No, if they, if they go, if they go ahead and do like a rotation, yeah, like a yeah. seven or eight man rotation, like they, like Bicknell claimed he wanted to do last year. Uh, yeah, there's a big part of me that's like, well, well, if you didn't end up doing it this year, why would you do it next year? Because this year it seemed to make more sense. Yeah. Uh, of how how are these guys going to adjust with to the speed of this, to the number of snaps they were supposed to play? You have all this talent, and they didn't end up doing it. So I, I don't know. It puts Rucci in a tough spot, but that's what the competition is for. There's still a lot of quality on that offensive line, and that's at least a good thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I look at the depth chart right now, that we have in front of us and you look at a your quarterback's a senior your running back in Jackson Acre is probably not going to be your your one next year wide receiver may look very similar next year uh obviously they would we'll see where Tyler Tyler uh, excuse me Tyrell Henry wants to come in where what impact he can have and maybe they're able to add another wide receiver in the portal a big uh speedster that they can throw into this offense um but tight end is going to be a spot that is going to look different next year. We know the center position is going to look different this year. We know right guard is going to look a little bit different. So even what we see in this bowl game is probably not going to be what we see this fall. Um, that also is the case on defense too, right? We know that Rodas Johnson is gone. We know that some of these other guys are moving on, like a CJ Getz and that type of thing. But Kurt Neal is being given a huge opportunity stepping in for Rodas Johnson, at least on paper. And, um, you know, he's a, he's not a tall guy by any stretch. But he was a pretty highly recruited kid before he tore his ACL, yes. and now he's and now he's being given an opportunity to, to show what he can do and potentially grab a starting spot for next year to go alongside James Thompson Jr., who we expect back. And obviously, Gio Pius is going to be moving on, so they're going to have some more holes to fill there too. Of all the people who are getting a bigger opportunity in this game, I would put Kurt Neal right up there in terms of the importance of what this game can be for his career moving forward because Luke said when we talked to him that he would love to see Kurt Neal play 40 to 50 snaps and I went back and looked and this season yes he has played but he has averaged 19 defensive snaps per game and he has not played more than 25 snaps in a game on defense so that would be a substantial jump it makes a lot of sense because you don't have Rodas Johnson who was a starter and obviously there's no more Darian Varner who's in the portal as well but he did not play a ton of snaps just over 100 I think what that does is maybe adds some snaps to the plate of some of those reserves but it's a it's a big opportunity for neil and we should mention you may have said this already but this is what college football is going to look like moving forward because i I wrote this in the story but remember when they showed the video on on wisconsin's official football twitter account of luke talking to the team after the game while they're celebrating with paul bunyan's axe and he said this might be the last time this entire group is together and and what I wrote, there is no more might be when you get to this point. It is a certainty. The only question is who is going to leave. And Wisconsin goes into this game without nine players from its uh, two deep against Minnesota. Six of them went into the portal. Three of them declared for the draft. Braylon, Tanner Bordellini, and Jason Matry. So 
it does open the door for a lot of opportunity. And Kurt Neal, I think, uh, is among those who's got the biggest shot here to show what he can do. Who are some of the others? I know this is the article that you posted on Christmas. What are who are some of the others <laughs> that? Uh, what What are you laughing about? I don't know if that's the best day to post it. I don't think it was even supposed to publish today. Oh, that's right. okay. Well, it did. <laughs> um, yeah. So well, it did. So so who are some of the others that? But I know we've talked about a few of them already. But who are some of the others? Well, among the young guys, obviously we talked about Tretch Kekahuna, but the the other young guy, and I think people have seen a little bit of him, but certainly interested to see how they incorporate him. Christian Allegro at inside linebacker, open yeah. season at, on the outside. Now they have him listed on the inside. Okay, Jake Cheney. And Muma Jong Meta are going to start, but um, Jordan Turner's already transferred to Michigan State. That's a ton of snaps. And while they have Tatum Grass, I think they, they really want to see what Allegro can do. A lot of us want to see what he can do. He's not had a ton of opportunity. We saw what he did when they put him in as a spy for a play at the end of a drive, and he was able to, to make a play. I think he's played 32 snaps um, this whole season defensively, but he's somebody that I, I think you're going to see a lot more of. And really, if you look at the future of inside linebacker, uh, I, I mean, Jong Meta is done after this game. And I think it's a, a really big opportunity for him. I don't know what that starting unit's going to look like next season. Obviously, Jake Cheney will be there, but Allegro could be the other guy. Um, and they, they did get a transfer, and I know we'll get into that, but I'm really interested to see him. And of course, they don't have Jason Matry anymore, who handled all the snaps basically well i shouldn't say all the snaps but he was their primary slot guy and luke said austin brown's going to move over and play the nickel corner spot now austin he ended he played more snaps in the the slot than i thought that he did at least according to pro football focus said he played 67 of his 277 defensive snaps in the slot this season so we've seen him on the field but he's going to get an opportunity in a different way so i mean it's really Across the board, a, a lot of guys stepping into new roles, and I think it can really help to establish the foundation of the future. This has to be the tallest secondary that they've ever put out on the field at once, right? Like, I mean, you got Hunter Wooler at six two, Kamoi Latu's over six feet, Nizer Forkrain's at six one. You've got Austin Brown at six one. Obviously, Ricardo Holman's not six foot, but uh, <laughs> the the rest of those guys—that's the type of size that they want in their secondary and. Uh, you know, when we look at some of the guys that they've brought in, whether it's transfer portal or otherwise in the last two years, um, the size is certainly stand out. And we know they all pale in comparison to Mari Snowden, who just uh, dwarfs them. Whenever you see pictures of the of the cornerback room, it's like, who's this? Who's the center that that's in there? Or like, you know, like the not the center, um, but like, who's the who's the uh, tight end that they brought over here and is now taking pictures with? the cornerbacks he's he's just that tall so i'm yeah austin brown gonna be interesting to see how that plays out um the christian allegro thing is fascinating because he's the exact type of talent uh skill wise that they wanted to add in the trend or in the uh in the recruiting class this year right like the the length the athleticism to run all over the place he's got that and i would be shocked if he's not a huge part of this defense you know numbers wise and in terms of snaps next year and another guy who could potentially help them next year would be Thomas Heiberger because of the same reason they are, they are built from the same cloth in terms of their athleticism and length. So I think we're going to see a lot more of those type guys playing defense for Wisconsin. And I don't, my, my biggest question is, can they hold up against teams that are trying to run the ball down their throat on a regular basis? I would say that they didn't do a great job of that this year. And you would expect, I, 
a lot of time is going to be spent this offseason trying to figure out how to to um, make that happen. Because if teams are able to run the ball down your throat, it's a very, very long day and you're you're going to be in for a long day. It's uh, I don't know if I'd call it an experiment experiment, but in some ways it is because you're you're changing the types of players that you're getting at certain positions and you've got to make sure that there isn't a drop off in productivity. But you're right. The staff really likes Thomas Heiberger, who's coming in as an outside linebacker, but drew a lot of comparisons to Christian Allegro. You mentioned Amari Snowden and another one that we haven't mentioned on this show, but we certainly did on our signing day show is Raphael Dunn, who to me is the most versatile player in the entire 2024 recruiting class played safety in high school. He's six, four. Now he's 200 pounds. So you're going to have to put some weight on him, but they, his coach calls him a, a unicorn. His high school coach did. I think he can come in and th- while Pat Lambert, the recruiting director said they don't want to pigeonhole him. He's not a safety or a dollar really think they can see him as a potential dollar type of player who they can move around, can cover on the back end. But that length and athleticism is something that Obviously, Luke Fickle mentioned uh, a couple of times on signing day. So it is a very different type of secondary that they are putting together. But um, I'm intrigued to see what it looks like moving forward. On their signing day video, the wired up of uh, all those all the commits that were happening, um, you know, inside that room when they were talking to Raphael Dunn, it said dollar. Now, again, as you said, not going to pigeonhole him, but it it feels like a potential that could be the spot that he ends up landing in for sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, all right. One, uh, J- J- Josiah Galvan, yeah. the inside linebacker from Northern Iowa. I saw some people being like a linebacker at 205 pounds, but why was he 200, 205 pounds, Jesse? Yeah. I know people see that. I think he was even listed at like 203 pounds on the, on the roster at UNI, but this is what he said. And I had a chance to talk to him before he, publicly announced his commitment. So right now he says he's six foot two and 205 pounds, but he also said he entered the season between 215 and 220 pounds. But he said at at Northern Iowa, they, they just, they didn't have the resources to help him maintain that weight. So he ended up dropping weight and playing the second half of the season at a lower weight. Now he believes that he can easily bulk up to 225, which we know you're going to need that to play in the big 10. Um, I saw, I think, a comment in the story about how, how can how can there not be the resources there? And it's like there's a substantial difference between an FCS program and a Big Ten program. You and I have a chance. I mean, we're basically during the football season going through the football facility a lot of days during the year. And they have changed a whole bunch of how they help these players, even in the last five to ten years, in terms of the build outs they've had for specific meal areas. Now they have people that they employ to, I mean, nutritionists, the weight training, like that stuff makes a huge difference. And it's the kind of thing that can help a player like Galvan turn into a, a totally different uh, type of guy to, to not lose that weight and to maintain it. So I, I would fully expect him to be a much bigger player by the time they have him for next season, but very intriguing skill set. And we mentioned before, you go into next season and you don't know who your other inside linebacker is going to be. You feel good about Jake Cheney based on what you've seen. And Galvan could potentially be that player. He had a really good year at UNI as a redshirt freshman. Um, 77 tackles led the team, five and a half tackles for loss, four pass breakups. So they obviously like the FCS to or lower level to Big Ten move. I know you asked Fickle about that last week. And, and I think he said, I love it because they come in. 
and they view this as a challenge and an opportunity. They had a lot of success at Cincinnati with guys like this. He talked about they had someone come from Rhode Island. They had a lot of guys from the MAC come in and become incredibly successful because they came in with a certain attitude about wanting to prove themselves. And I think that's exactly the mold that Josiah Galvan comes in. And same with John Pius. So uh, Galvan's still a young guy, right? Yeah. Like he's he's yeah, just three years of eligibility. Yeah. Is he someone that you look at and say, yeah, he he's going to play a role next year? Or is, is it maybe this one of these guys that you're going to bring along? It's so hard to know because what do these numbers mean at a different level? And the Darian Varner example is is a perfect example because he was a first team all conference player last year. Now, you and I have talked before, they played at a different weight, but it felt like, oh, wow, like, look at those kinds of numbers. Well, you just plug them in right away and it never really happened. I know he was hurt during preseason practice and that slowed him down a little bit. But I also think there's such a tremendous opportunity at inside linebacker on the defensive line. While it wasn't great this year. They still knew they wanted to play seven or eight guys on the on the inside. I don't know who you can definitively say outside of Cheney is is going to be your guy. And I think they obviously like Allegro a lot, but I would expect him to have an opportunity to earn snaps. But I don't know what that looks like. I don't know whether they would consider him to be an every down type of back. Probably depends on how he can change himself physically. Look at the rest of the group. Brian Sanborn, who. At this point, I think would be a veteran, but we haven't seen him. Aiden Vaughn, young guy we haven't seen. Tyler Jansey, someone I really like. Had a lot of tackles in high school, but haven't seen him. And then Landon Gothier, who's going to be an incoming freshman. I know Luke said that like they, they think he could play, but you never know with true freshmen. So it's a lot of turnover in that group. And, and I don't know that you can say right now exactly who is going to be part of that rotation. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that there, you mentioned Darian Varner, it made me think, is there anybody else that could potentially take advantage of that that two transfer rule that uh, is you know obviously college football is a little bit in flux right now in terms of whether guys uh, can move multiple times without having to sit out? The NCAA obviously put that rule in place. It's a one time transfer; don't have to sit out. Well, it was challenged in court. Now it's kind of uh, up in the air, and as as it's being litigated, players are going to be able to do this. Do you think there's a chance that some of these other guys that transferred in last year that maybe aren't having roles could move on? You know, this is the part where it's speculation and it feels kind of unfair because I have no idea. But but if you've got guys who transferred in and are not part of a rotation or not playing as many snaps as they thought they would, it certainly opens the door for this. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they've said that those guys can play next season. I know before it was like the fall and the spring, which I mean, kind of felt like, okay, you're rolling the dice. So you transfer, you think you're going to play and then something changes. Right. I'm not, I, I don't, they're covered. Yeah. So I think they can play next season, but I just don't know. And again, if you were going to make that move, you would think that it would have happened by now. We're having this conversation and there's a week, week left in, in the portal window. So yeah, I, I just don't know, but it's a possibility when before it wasn't. So the, this reminded me the Leon Lowry, the linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, when he initially committed, it was the idea that he was gonna he was gonna be with them in Florida, and and take part in some practices, right? Like that was gonna be the thing. I'm I'm kind of surprised that, and I know that even uh, Luke Fickle said we hope to get some of these guys in here and they can uh, you know run around with us. I don't know yeah. what that means. I'm kind of excited to see who ends up down there and uh, taking advantage of these uh, these practices with these guys down in Florida. Yeah, I have no idea what that looks like either. Obviously, 
they have put out these tweets about these transfer guys who are quote unquote signed. Um, And presumably that makes them official. I realize that they can't enroll in school yet because it hasn't started and won't start until January, but I don't know whether we'll get a look at them at all. Um, I think reporters down in Tampa have a chance to see maybe 15 minutes of a practice or two. Yeah. Um, maybe it's maybe it's just stretching. But at the very least, hopefully you and I can scan the field and, and see who's there. The problem is I don't know that I'll be able to put the faces to the names because we've never seen them before at Wisconsin. But I, I'm, I'm really interested as well to see who comes down there and, and whether that can help them in the future. Yeah, I know it's it's only a few practices, right? It's not like it's anything no, no. big, but it but it's still yeah. interesting to to see new guys this quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like having it turned around this quickly and joining a team and and taking part in stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, again, we are going to be down in Tampa for uh, the Rely Quest Bowl. We're going to be down there. Well, the the thing is, we get to talk to the coordinators for the first time since the middle of the year. We get to do that on Thursday, yes. and then we will be recording an episode Thursday night to break down everything that they had to say. And uh, obviously, it'll be a little bit about uh, the Reliant Quest Bowl, but it's going to be a lot about the guys that they added in the transfer portal, a lot of guys that they added uh, through signing day, and then obviously what their plans are for this offseason and, and how they can get things turned around in different areas. Obviously, the defense... Um, Maybe start a little bit faster and the offense be a little bit more explosive. Um, those are those are two things that stand out in my mind. So many more things, obviously, to talk about with well, Phil Longo and Mike Tressel when we get an opportunity to do that in Tampa. But as I said, we'll do an episode later that night and, and break it all down. Um, all right, Jesse, thank you very much. Safe travels down to Tampa. You as well. See you down there. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.